0: What's up, everybody? On today's show, we catch you up on what the coaches had to say on Monday at, Monday at the podium as we head into SEC Week 13, the final regular season week of the SEC season. Locked on SEC starts right now. You are locked on SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Mm-hmm. And what's happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. It's great to have you guys along. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Uh, go to slash locked on college. Use our code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100 daily fantasy sports made easy over at prizepicks.com slash Lockdown College. I'm Chris Gordy. Thanks for making Locked On SEC your first listen every day. Shout out to our everydayers. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube part of Locked On Podcast Network covering your team every day. We've got plenty to jump into so let's dive headfirst into it. Let's go around the conference. Boots out to the right. Makes the handoff around the conference. And we start over at Auburn as Hugh Freeze and Auburn faced an embarrassing loss to New Mexico State on Saturday where they paid New Mexico State well over a million dollars to come in and beat them 31-10. to Hugh Freeze talking with the media on Monday and calling it what it was. An embarrassment. Hugh Freeze saying about as disappointed as i have ever been in coaching in Saturday's game. It was an embarrassment and it just can't happen. Starts with me. I got to get our coaches and players ready to play. We obviously missed the mark tremendously. It's frustrating, sickening to watch. T- ticked off. I hope they're ticked off. I haven't seen the players yet, but we've got to learn from that for sure. you said, uh, one of the factors that led to the loss, lack of connection within the team. He said, when we have that true connection and relationship, you can truly hold each other accountable. That's something – I got to work on for us to feel more connected for when you get hit in the face, like you did on Saturday. Now, Paul Feinbaum, he does a weekly segment with uh, the guys over at uh, uh, McElroy and Kublik in the morning over on jocks FM. And he talked about the loss and Paul Feinbaum said, look, I don't think there are any, and I say this based on what I've seen overall from Hugh freeze this year, especially off the field. But, um, he said he doesn't think the loss matters as much as it seems for a lot of folks. You know, basically saying a lot of people may be overreacting a little bit to this one. He said, uh, it's really what this season was about. They ensured that Auburn went out and got great players for the future, recruited well, tried to get to a bowl game this year. But uh, in the grand scheme of things, Saturday didn't change, you know, what they're building for the future. Feinbaum said Auburn needs to move on from the loss quickly because now it's time for the Iron Bowl. He said if Auburn pulls off an upset, nobody will care about the loss to New Mexico State. He said the reason why you move on is because the biggest game for Auburn is this Saturday at Jordan-Hare. And somehow if Auburn does the unthinkable, no one will care about New Mexico State. He said, by the way, New Mexico State, they're a respectable team. It's not just some directional school that you picked up out of the sky. This is a really good team that they lost to. So, look, inexcusable, embarrassing, as Hugh Free said, but, again, um, at the end of the day, pretty good New Mexico State team, but you can't lose by 21 at home. You just can't. All right, other news and notes as we continue on with the Iron Bowl on the Alabama side of things. It is Iron Bowl week. On Saturday, Alabama will travel to Auburn for a renewal of the state and possibly the nation's fiercest rivalry. Alabama can keep its college football playoff hopes alive with a victory before they head to the SEC title game against Georgia. Nick Saban talking with the media Monday. He said the Iron Bowl is one of college football's great rivalries. Says it's a great opportunity to be able to play in it. Says it's going to be a tough physical game every time. He said people talk about all the crazy stuff that happens in this game. Saban said, but since I've been here, the team that should have won the game won the game based on who played the best. Uh, Sabin went on to praise Hugh Freeze's first year in charge at Auburn, said that uh, Auburn's offense is difficult to prepare for. He was asked about the loss to New Mexico State, and uh, he said, look, I can't answer whether that's going to galvanize Auburn and make them even more dangerous this week. But he noted that sometimes losses can make everyone pay attention more. Lastly, Sabin said he's never thought past the week's opponent during his time in college football. He said that's something that happens in the pro game a lot, but... Um, you know, not going to be a lot of carryover from Auburn worrying about the loss to New Mexico State this weekend against Alabama. Alabama's going to get their best shot. Meanwhile, offensive lineman uh, Tyler Booker, he does a weekly appearance on Next Round Live on Monday. He talked about uh, facing uh, Auburn at Hare Stadium. He said, quote, I've been dreaming of playing there ever since I played college football video games. Every time I played it at Auburn, the Eagle would fly through the stadium, so I'm just excited to see that. And that's Tyler Booker. What video game he's playing? Is that the old NCAA game? We're hoping you know, that new one's going to come out in the next year or so. But uh, nonetheless, Tyler Booker said, uh, "I'll be poking my head out, trying to see the uh, the war eagle fly around." Uh, but Booker's been part of that offensive line that has gotten so much better as the season has gone along, protecting uh, Jalen Milrow and run blocking very well. So we'll see what the uh, Auburn defense can do this weekend against that Alabama offensive front other news and notes around the conference over at Georgia Kirby Smart expressed several times that the Georgia uh, that the Georgia Tech game is at the top of his rivalry list Yellow Jackets maybe not playing in the same caliber as Georgia this year but Kirby Smart said it's geographics that add a little bit more to this rivalry he Said He geographically they're close they're in our state you're playing for something every time you play them you're playing for a state championship. I think that's always important. Georgia Tech does a uh, good job. It's the next opponent and it is nicknamed clean old-fashioned hate for a reason. These two teams do not like each other. Georgia Tech of course was an original member of the SEC. Georgia leads the all-time rivalry 70-41-5 and but Georgia Tech seems to squeeze out a win every now and then. Last time the Jackets won was 2016 where they won 28-27. Georgia Tech pull off one of the biggest wins of the season if they could beat Georgia this weekend. Now, several players with some minor injuries for Georgia. Kirby Smart updating us on Monday. Uh, Lad McConkey missed Saturday's game against Tennessee after an injury he suffered in the Ole Miss game. Kirby Smart said it's an ankle injury, but not too serious. He said the, uh, the tweaked ankle got tweaked in the game here at home. He was able to go a little bit, some at the end of the week, but didn't practice much. Bothered him a little bit Saturday, but Nothing really more severe than that. We've done an M- MRI since the game, doing even more testing, but I feel good that he's going to be able to return. So maybe Ladd McConkie will be back this week. Freshman receiver or uh, transfer receiver Rara Thomas suffered an injury against the Vols on Saturday. Kirby Smart said he had a foot sprain. We don't know the severity of it. Uh, it's really probably better listed as a bone bruise on his foot, but I think he's going to be on a, be okay. Uh, we'll see here in the week. Lyman Tate Ratlidge was also shaking up Saturday. Kirby saying Tate's good. He has a bone bruise, banged knees. He was sore yesterday, sore today, limping around, but no structural damage. And then lastly, Brock Bowers, who made his return a week ago against Ole Miss. He appeared to be limping during the game on Saturday. Kirby said Brock feels good. I think he's a little sore. What's happening is he's on his ankle more during the game and obviously getting live tackled. And the catches he got, there's more soreness after the game than there is during the week. So the recovery process takes a little bit longer there. All right, other news around the conference. Over Tennessee, they will be missing one of their key starters for their regular season finale against Vanderbilt. Josh Heupel announcing Monday that offensive guard Javante Spragans will be out for the remainder of the season. He was injured in the second half of the loss to Georgia. Heupel saying Sprags will be out the rest of the year. Unfortunate injury, a guy that pours into his teammates, has great energy, competes extremely hard, plays really hard, continues to get better as a player. Disappointing for him, certainly. Uh, Sprags in his fourth year at Tennessee, a starter since the 2021 season. Made uh, multiple preseason all-SEC lists heading into this year, and so we will see what the Vols opt to do there on the offensive line. Josh Heipel did say that he saw improvement from his team in one area In the loss against Georgie talked about uh, penalty department. So the Vols have struggled there all year. They had just three penalties for 20 yards. He said, look, in the football game the other day, we played hard. We played uh, smarter football, too. If you look at our penalties, we were cleaner there than we had been. Uh, Heupel also given some updates on some of the guys in the secondary. Wesley Walker, who missed last week's game against Georgia, is questionable for this game against Vanderbilt. Jordan Thomas and Tamari McDonald are in a little bit better shape, but Hypo insisted he's hopeful all will play in the final regular season game against Vandy, Tennessee, looking to win their eighth game of the year. That will be uh, 3.30 Eastern on the SEC network. All right, we got plenty more to get into going on around the conference. Thank you guys so much for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. Coming up next, like I said, we'll continue to go around the conference with more tidbits from Monday's press conferences. Want to remind you guys about our friends over at LinkedIn Jobs. Like these days every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you got to go check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs is going to help you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Just go um, Post your job for free at LinkedIn on your profile. That's going to spread the word that you're hiring. They got simple tools on there like screening questions, going to make it easy for you to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you want to interview and hire. Again, uh, it's that time of year, whether you're hiring for seasonal, for the holiday season, or you're looking to get a head start on 2024 and bring on some new people. It is why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires against leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs, helping you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Go post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college. Can push your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Going along here, locked on SEC. Thank you guys for making us your first listen every day. Shout out to our everydayers. Tomorrow on the show, we will. Uh, continue to get you guys ready for SEC Week 12. Crazy to think we're already here at the end of the regular season but our buddy Chris Marler will join us. We'll be talking all about the latest uh, uh, of course college football playoff rankings and much much more. So we got plenty to discuss and we got some games this week. We got Ole Miss and the Egg Bowl happening this Thursday. We got Mizzou and uh, Arkansas on uh, Friday. So we got a ton of stuff to get into. So let's dive right back into it as we continue going around the conference. And our next stop, we head out to Ole Miss as Lane Kiffin talking with the media on Monday about the Egg Bowl, particularly about the Egg Bowl trophy. He said, look, I think like some things, you have a different view of it when you lose it. Kind of saying, you don't know what you got till it's gone. He said, we had the trophy here for a couple of years, then we lost it. So hoping that makes the players want it back even more. Kiffin going on to say nationally people understand this in-state rivalry and the hatred in it. There have been some crazy events in this game over the last few years. Very passionate. Yeah, I'll say when you have a receiver thinking like he's peeing on a fire hydrant. Uh, Lane Kiffin also saying on a game planning last week for the Mississippi State game, he said we just got ahead by taking time during last week to look at things as offense and defense and special teams to get ahead. So, Maybe that explains why Ole Miss was only up on Yul Monroe 7-3 to at halftime this past week. They were spending more time looking ahead at Mississippi State. Uh, Lane Kiffin talking about quarterback Will Rogers, who returned this past week for the first time in several weeks. He said, we know the player he is and how he has pulled out games before. Thrown for huge numbers in games like South Carolina this year, for example. Him getting back and getting a game under his belt last week, probably going to help him. We're going to be playing a really good quarterback and Will Rogers. This will be the 120th overall meeting between Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Ole Miss holds a 64-47-6 and edge in the series. The battle for the golden egg uh, under that banner. This is the 96th edition of the rivalry with uh, Ole Miss being 58-30-5 since 1927. Our other news around the conference over at Arkansas. We know the news that Sam Pittman is coming back for another season. Paul Feinbaum talking about it yesterday. And um, Hunter Jurczyk putting out a statement on Sunday saying that uh, Sam Pittman will be back for 2024. Paul Feinbaum saying he believes that Hunter Jurczyk made the right call by committing to Pittman, citing Arkansas' strong foundation under, under Pittman despite a few rocky seasons. He said, quote, I think Hunter Jurczyk made the right call. I think Arkansas is a foundation. I'm not impressed with what I've seen from Sam Pittman in the last two years, and that comes uh, from someone who genuinely likes him and admires him and respects him, but it's pretty obvious. Sam Pittman better win next year or he'll be gone, and I think that's self-explanatory. It's one of the toughest calls. Sam Pittman and Arkansas 4-7 and seven this year could finish the season on a high note if they pick up a fifth win against Missouri. Now, Hunter Juracek released that statement in support for Sam Pittman. Sam Pittman talking with the media on Monday said, Look, there's a lot of emotion in the room. Hunter wanted to address the team right before we finished with uh, the conversation after the win over FIU. It was really cool because of the kids. They went off. I don't ever want to get in that situation, but it was a special moment to be a part of. It was really cool. And I'll say this. I think when you sign up for the SEC, you have to win. Whether it's here, Texas A&M, Mississippi State, Alabama, wherever you are, you got to win. And if you don't, there's opportunities for you to be unemployed. That's just how it is. And That's what we signed up for. I like the Sam Pittman's quote there. Uh, There's opportunities for you to be unemployed if you don't win in the SEC. But Sam Pittman looked into the future. He said, i look at this as an opportunity to change our team, keep the ones that are good players for us and good kids, and change our team and give us the opportunity to do that. Uh, Some good news for Arkansas on Monday as well. I picked up a commitment from former four-star prospect, Michigan State offensive lineman Keyshawn Blackstock. Uh, never played at Michigan State after committing there last December. He was the nation's number one JUCO interior offensive lineman when he originally committed there. Uh, schools like Penn State, Texas Tech, NC State were all after him. Uh, and he entered the portal in October after Mel Tucker was fired. And now he is heading down to Fayetteville. Six foot five, 315 pounds. Like we said, was uh, considered to be the number seven overall JUCO prospect in the country. Coming out of Georgia, and uh, this comes just over a week following a recruiting visit to Fayetteville. He will have two seasons of college eligibility remaining. So that's been one of the weak points for Arkansas this year. So some big time help there in Keyshawn Blackstock coming into Arkansas. Some other news going on around the conference over at Florida. Billy Napier touching a, uh, facing a tough situation facing Florida State this Saturday. Florida and the Gators. Five and six heading into this game. And Paul Feinbaum was asked about Billy Napier and where he stands. He says, look, Billy Napier is a tough call. He said, I like a lot of things about the program, but the next week is going to be critical to watch what happens off the field as well as what happens on the field on Saturday night. Can Billy Napier hold on to this top five recruiting class? Currently ranks fifth in the country according to 24-7 Sports. Feinbaum said this is one of those situations where Saturday night's going to answer so many things. If they have a similar type performance we've, they've had in recent weeks, like we saw in the Missouri game, I think the feeling of administrators and the boosters, uh, maybe let's roll the dice. So it will be uh, interesting to see what uh, happens there, of course. With a win, Florida can become bowl eligible. One other note from the Florida Gators, Ricky Parasol looking to become Florida's first 1,000-yard receiver in over 20 years. Uh, He will need 52 yards to do so. Those will come from quarterback Max Brown, as uh, Graham Mertz has been ruled out the rest of the year. Max Brown's a redshirt freshman, will make his first start of his career against an undefeated Florida State team coming up this weekend. Pearsall talking with the media on Monday, reminded uh, Max Brown that if he isn't sure where to go with the ball, look for him. Brown was four for five passing for 56 yards coming in for Mertz in uh, the Missouri game. Also had a nice run as well. And uh, Purcell will see if he can get to that 1,000-yard uh, mark this weekend. Other news going on around the conference over at LSU. Brian Kelly talking about his quarterback, Jaden Daniels, and the quest for the Heisman. Of course, Jaden Daniels putting up some ridiculous numbers this year. Brian Kelly saying, look, Jaden continues to play at an elite level. He's the best player in college football. He said, "Everybody has a choice. You can choose to be good. You could choose to be great. Jaden chose to be elite." He said, "He's playing football at a level I've never seen before. If you want to look at numbers, this race is starting to distance itself." So, about as strong as you can make a case for Jaden Daniels and his ridiculous numbers. Of course, others arguing for Bo Nix over at Oregon or Michael Penix at Washington. But if you've watched Jaden Daniels, I mean, look—the passing numbers are very similar to those guys and. Uh, passing yards and touchdowns and all that. But Jaden's got to beat him beat I mean, Jaden's putting up rushing numbers equivalent to some of the best running backs in the country on top of the passing yards. So unbelievable what he's been doing. Some other LSU notes. Brian Kelly said freshman linebacker Whit Weeks had an injury, uh, a gash on his foot, and has been stitched up. Weeks did not get into the game last week against Georgia State. He said, quote, we will need him this weekend against Texas A&M. Brian Kelly also saying running back Logan Diggs should be available this weekend against a as well. And uh, Chris Fowler, ESPN broadcaster, was on the Dan Patrick show Monday. He was asked about who he has on his Heisman list. He said, look, you're not going to get my ballot out of me, but I don't know how you can play better than what Jaden Daniels is doing right now at LSU. He said, I don't know how you can be more impressive as a quarterback than what he has done at LSU. So maybe that tells you where Chris Fowler is leading. Some other news over at Texas A&M. They will be playing LSU this weekend. Interim head coach Elijah Robinson talking with the media Monday. Said Jaden Daniels, extremely talented, does a really good job. Said he's a problem. He's a true weapon. He said we have to be on top of our game to give ourselves a chance. He has grown so much since last year. He's not up for the Heisman for no reason. He is a challenge. Robinson also talking about LSU's receiving core. He said these guys are first-round draft picks. Both those guys, Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas, have over 1,000 yards receiving. You don't see that often. They present a great challenge. Now, for A&M, he said quarterback Max Johnson listed as day-to-day. So, we will see if Max Johnson makes his return to the field for A&M in the season finale. Of course, he's a former LSU quarterback. Would be fun for him to go back there to Tiger Stadium. Uh, lastly, Elijah Roberts saying, he said, tomorrow's the last day of school. Normally, we travel to uh, – Our road trip on Thursdays allows us to get our academics done, but we're going to head on a Friday. That's strictly due to us not having to worry about academics, let our players enjoy their time on Thanksgiving with their families. Uh, Lastly, he said, offense corner Bobby Petrino, uh, he asked him to come down and coach from the sideline this past weekend. He said, I wanted to get coached down on the field to help, and so he could control everything he needed to from adjustments, and so the communication just wasn't over the headset. So, Bob Petrino coming down to the sidelines. Jimbo gone. Bob Petrino, you're invited now on the sideline to come down and coach with uh, your fellow uh, with your players. All right. One other note over at Missouri. Eli Drakewitz talking with the media on Monday. He said that based on the state of his Twitter mentions, the rivalry game between Missouri and Arkansas is pretty strong. He said we enjoy that people don't think it's a rivalry game because we believe it is. Saturday will mark the 10th meeting between the two as battle line rivals. Eli Drinkwood's also saying on the next month, he said, it's probably the most important month in determining the future of our program. Uh, he said recruiting, all that kind of stuff, will be key uh, as we head into December. He also said playing Arkansas this week, he said, KJ Jefferson's scrambling. It's been a problem that the team hasn't solved despite playing him several times these last few years. Drink said he recruited KJ Jefferson when he was on the staff at NC State. Drinkowitz also backed uh, Sam Pittman getting an extension there or, or getting another year, rather, at Arkansas. He said, I think that was a smart decision. I think Sam Pittman is a heck of a football coach. I think he's done an outstanding job there. We both came into the SEC together. The resurgence of that program and the job he's done recruiting, coaching, and developing has been great. Drinkowitz also recalled a time he was in a similar position as Pittman. He said, I think back to two years ago, we were two and four, and the board of curators believed enough in me to reaffirm their commitment. And look at the result now. I think it sends a positive message to the fans, the recruits, the coaching staff, players in that building that we're going to continue in this direction. One more note on Mizzou. Some uh, players, Drinkwood said, we're definitely beat up. It's been a tough stretch these last four games after the bye week. He said, I would list Chuck Hicks, Javon Foster, Brett Norfleet, Ennis Rakestraw, and Tyron Hopper all as questionable for this game against Arkansas. All those guys suffered injuries last week. And in a short week, heading into week 12, we'll have our challenge to get those guys back. Missouri coming off of their win over the Florida Gators. And there you have it. That is the latest news going on around the conference. Still more to come here on Locked on SEC, part of the Locked on Podcast. Network, covering your team every day. Coming up next, we'll hit on some SEC Players of the Week and more right here on Locked on SEC. Prize picks. They are your largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. They are the easiest and most exciting way for you to play daily fantasy sports. It is just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players like pros and sharks, you just pick more than or less than. On two to six player stat projections, and you can watch the winnings roll in. Of course, with basketball season here, you can do combo projections across football and basketball under their specials league, a league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues. So, for example, if you like LeBron over, uh, you know, on his three pointers made, and Travis Kelsey over on his receptions, you combine them together, say like ten and a half over. Prize Picks even offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. So, for football and basketball games, if you have a player who leaves the game in the first half and doesn't come back in the second, that player is rebooted. Prize Picks is the only daily, daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. Go to slash locked on college. Use our code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. Bucks. Again, that is slash locked on college. Use code Locked On College for a first deposit match up to $100. It is prize picks and it is daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, final segment here on Locked On SEC. We got more stuff we got to get to before we call it a show as the uh, SEC has announced their SEC Week 12 players of the week so let's dive into that if we will offensive players of the week but a couple co-players in some of these categories so let's dive into it uh first offensive player of the week was Jaden Daniels at LSU tied the LSU record for touchdowns responsible for in a game with eight six passing two rushing in their win over Georgia State uh tied the mark previously set by Joe Burrow Jaden Daniels said more touchdown passes than incompletions as he was 25 for 30 passing, had a second consecutive game of 500 or more yards of total offense, his third this season, and uh, counted for six plays of 20 or more yards, including touchdown passes of 27, 40, and 70 yards. Unbelievable what he's been doing. Uh, Another winner of the weekend was Mizzou quarterback Brady Cook. He finished his game against Florida going 20 of 34, 331 yards, two touchdowns, one passing, one rushing, and set up the uh, go-ahead score for Mizzou. Let him right down the field, including completing a fourth down pass to set up the game-winning field goal. And Brady Cook became the fifth Mizzou signal caller to throw for 3,000 or more yards in a season, surpassed 6,000 career yards, passing 7,000 yards of career total offense. He needs just 94 rushing yards to become the third Mizzou quarterback to amass 6,000 yards passing and 1,000 yards rushing in a career. Your uh, defensive players of the week start over at Mississippi State. Linebacker Nathaniel Bookie Watson setting a career high with 21 tackles while adding a sack, one-and-a-half tackles for a loss, and a forced fumble. His 21 tackles are the most in a single game by an SEC defender since 2017 and the most by a Bulldog in a single game since 2000. His 21 tackles tied for fourth most by an FBS player in a single game this year. And he is one of just five FBS players to have 20 or more tackles in a single game this season. Also make, making the list, Alphaheem uh Walcott over at uh, Arkansas. He finished with five tackles and two interceptions, including a pick six as Arkansas beat FIU 44-20. Walcott became the first Arkansas defender since Chris Houston at Mississippi State in 2006 to intercept two passes and return one for a touchdown in the A game over at South Carolina. Their edge Jordan Strahan uh, received SEC honors with Defensive Lineman of the Week. He had two sacks and their win over Kentucky. And uh, over at Missouri, their kicker Harrison Mavis got recognition for his game-winning field goal, named uh, Special Teams Player of the Week. Also, Mississippi State kicker Kyle Ferry also earned honors as Co-Freshman of the Week with uh, four for four field goals against Southern Miss. And a few other uh, tidbits here as we uh, as we start to wrap up here on Locked On SEC, the uh, bowl season APR pecking order, uh, bowl season on the horizon, and the academic progress record explains what the priority for bowl games will be for uh, teams. Bowl eligibility mark is typically six and six, but there will likely not be enough six and six teams to fill all their bowl games. So there will be a few five and seven teams given a chance to land a bowl game. In that case, uh, or in the case that there aren't enough bowl-eligible teams, there are a few teams from the SEC that could reach bowl games, even with a 5-7 and seven record. And so here is the uh, order of where they have teams right now. So Minnesota, they have as the best chance there at 5-6. and six. They have them as, you know, I don't know, they like their academic progress record so far. So Minnesota would be uh, kind of first dibs at 5-7. and seven. Wake Forest is 4-7 and seven. if they win this week and get the five and seven, they would be next. Rice is five and six. Uh, Of course, if they win six and six, they're in. But if Rice loses uh, and they go go five and seven, they would be next in order of priority. Mississippi State, they're fourth on this list. So Mississippi State's five and six. If they lose the Egg Bowl, they're still not out of bowl eligibility. They would have the fourth best chance to make a bowl game there. Uh, UCF and Gus Malzana right there at six is South Carolina at five and six. So Shane Beamer and company hoping to beat Clemson, get to 6-6, six and six and make a bowl game. But even if they lose, they would be in consideration here. And then uh, lastly, coming to 11th on this list is the Florida Gators at 5-6. and six. So it's a real long shot. I mean, they'd have a lot that would have to happen. But Gators, with a loss to Florida State, may still have a chance to get to a bowl game at 5-7. and seven. So, of course, we'll track that for you guys throughout uh, next week once we see what happens with the results this weekend. Thank you guys so much for making Locked On SEC your first listen every day. Shout out to our everydayers. Keep coming back, checking in with us each and every day. Tomorrow on the show, we'll have our buddy Chris Marler with us, reacting to the latest college football playoff rankings. And for your second listen, Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day whether our local experts of Locked On. Plus, our national shows covering every league. For your second listen, go to Locked on Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24 7 streaming channel. I'm Chris Gordy. This has been Locked on SEC. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.